What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast with my co-host, the one and only Jeremy Cohen. Jeremy, um, happy Sunday to you. Happy Sunday to you, John. I just am noticing your uh, Cary Grant, Ig- Ingrid Bergman poster in the background. Notorious. Yeah, we, we had a leak and that's why it wasn't there before. Uh, so we got everything repainted. It's now up and about. Um, but yeah, it's for Notorious. My dad loves it. I think yeah. I don't love the movie quite as much. It's not my favorite Hitchcock, but the artwork is really cool. I'd say my favorite's um, Rear Window, personally. Um, I I don't know that I feel comfortable naming a favorite Hitchcock on the spot. Um, if forced, I would probably pick Rear Window too. Um, oh, Vertigo. I mean, how do you go against Vertigo? I'm not a huge fan of Vertigo. Really? Honestly. Yeah. There's something about. I maybe have to rewatch it, but something about the pace. It just feels very slow to me. I'd um, rewatch. I, I'd re. I'd. Well, I don't know how long it's been, but I'd. I'd rewatch it. It's. It's a. It's an oldie but a goodie. I mean, they're all oldies. Um, I don't know if you could see. Uh, for anyone listening at home, uh, check us out on YouTube because you could now see the fact that because my wife, she watched. Um, it's something I. I did, and she's like, it looks like you're recording from. Uh, in. Uh, broom closet and i said that's that's because it's our mudroom and so she's like you should put some stuff up so now you may be able to see i have some dick's paraphernalia up um including a banner a pennant rather from one of their championship that is an actual real it's either from 1970 or 1973 it's an actual pennant wow yeah i don't i don't know which year it was because it's not it's not dated but that thing is you know it's either 50 or 47 years old so uh check out the youtube channel to see the the pennant and some other fun stuff and our smiling faces as we talk about a basketball team that is going to play a basketball game this week i can't get over that god (laughs) (laughs) i feel like it's all i feel like it's all coming to um like a major culmination yeah i mean we're gonna go over all of it but just like the onslaught of things just we need basketball desperately so we can just move on to more productive Although, of course, we're going to have like two preseason games and everyone's going to start freaking out. And well, that's the I mean, you're giving away the topic of today's show. But before we get into the, the, the our little uh, our little gambit for today's show, um, is there any is there any overarching thoughts that you have at this point? Because I feel like I may be so far into the so, so far into the forest. Yeah, I'm too, too far into the forest to see the trees. Um is there like what are, where where's your head at? Are you feel like you feel good about things or what where are you at? I feel like it's a win-win, you know? Either things go well and <laughs> it's because the young players are making strides and things yeah. go poorly, they're young players. It's okay. And hey, you've got this great pick that you could have in a loaded draft class. So I'm really yeah. at peace with this season. I think what would change for me in that causing real chaos it's not even the starting lineup. It's just how the players are able to play with each other, what their minutes distribution is. um, How are they being prioritized? Who's being prioritized? Are we seeing players who should not maybe have the ball in their hands, holding on to it too long? You know, what does the spacing look like? What, what schematically, how are things going? So that, you know, I don't draw a quick distinction between two things you just said, because you just said two different things and you put them together. And I feel like they're, they're worthy of separating um, out into two. One of them was, are the young players playing? Are, um, are, are, or, or like, are more vets playing? And then the other thing you said is, are, are the, is the ball in the hands of the people who, who matter and are the wrong guys like hogging the ball like too much, essentially? I'm paraphrasing what you said. 
if if there are 10 guys out there and they're playing basketball the way it should be played, I'm not sure I have it in me to raise a hell about who those 10 guys are. If they're playing a brand of basketball, that is the, and we know we're Knicks fans. We know what proper basketball looks like. And it's been a long time since we've seen it around here. If we see this year's version of Bobby Portis doing 18 jab steps um, from 18 feet out and then take, you know, and then like doing a fadeaway long too, like that's the shit that's going to drive me up. So I just want to draw a quick distinction between those two things that you said before we move on. Yeah. And it's absolutely true. And it's going to be interesting because I don't see that Bobby Portis type necessarily on the roster. I mean, maybe it's, neither do I. It, maybe it's in the form of Austin rivers, but I mean, is he really they, going they to though? In... I, I doubt Was it. That? I, is he really going to pull that shit? Like, I think he'll have a couple great games. And other than that, it'll just be, Oh, he's, he's like, you know, maybe averaging 10 off the bench and it'll be a, maybe it'll be a subtle 10 as well. Um, but he's, he's not going to be a focal point in the way that I felt like Portis established himself as. Yeah. And also like, don't ever let anybody tell you that the money doesn't matter here. The fact that Julius Randle made 18 million last year and Marcus Morris and Bobby Portis each made 15 million last year. I love the cat in the background. It's the best, best thing. Watch, watch us on YouTube. So you could see Jeremy's cat sticking his butt. Like, yeah, it's just her ass. It's, it's, it's ass and tail. There's not, you can't, um, as we right, talk about Bobby Portis and, okay. and Marcus Morris and Julius Randle, how appropriate talking about a cat's ass. Um, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Um, like those guys all made like clearly by far the most money on the team. And I think that added to their sense of entitlement. Oh, in addition to the fact that there was no accountability anywhere, because if the coach wasn't already on thin ice before the season started, he lost all credibility after, you know, that 10 game press conference. And then they were playing for an interim from that point on. So it's like, you know, Austin Rivers and his three point, Three three is it descending? I think it's descending, it is. right? Yeah. So whatever. His three point five million dollar salary this year. I don't think he's walking in there with the swag that's going to allow him to to do that kind of no. stuff. Um. So that's good. We have that to look forward to, or not to look forward to, I guess. Um. All right. So we're going to do our our. Let me actually. I'll paraphrase this. You said it very well. It feels like it's time we need to play some basketball because shit's gotten crazy out there, and I've I've. I've taken a step a, a little bit away from Twitter over the last week. I don't know if you've done the same because man, uh, it's some of the gunfights out there by the okay corral is just, I I'm not properly equipped to get, and I don't want to get involved. Um, people are already starting to lose their shit. And it's, we haven't played starting. <laughs> it's just, it's just like the grand finale of fireworks. Yeah, it's just not it's not what I want right now. Uh, maybe if you're listening, it's what you want. And God bless you if you have the the time and the energy and the strength to to engage in these sorts of um, discussions. So with that in mind, we are going to go through our um, I don't know. Top, we're going to go through some DEFCON rankings and highlight some things that people have been getting upset about over the last week or a couple of weeks or whatever it's been. And and say, OK, if this happens on whether it's the first preseason game or like over the course of the preseason or opening night or whatever, like where is the level of emergency? And I just before I start this, I have made this mistake before. DEFCON 1 is the worst, right? Yes. Yeah. You, you don't want to be earlier today, too, because I also get confused because you would think five is five is like, more oh, than and it's five is more than yeah, four, you're counting to five. Five is yeah. intense. But no, you're, yeah. DEFCON 1 is the most extreme. DEFCON 5 is the least extreme. Okay. So we're going to go, we're going to put a ranking on each of these babies. Um, and I don't know if you thought of any that you, you wanted to, well, we're, we, we said we were going to start with our, 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 our buddy Mitch. Um, and then at the end we could get it. Hey, there's the cat's tail. Um, and then we could get into the, the other thing that you, you messaged me about. All right. So here's our first one. Um, Mitchell Robinson. I think this, I think if this, let's go with, should we go with first preseason game or first opening or, or opening night for this one? What do you think? Let's go with opening night. It's opening more night. Okay. Official. Mitchell Robinson is not the starting center on opening night. It is indeed uh Nerland's Noel. Is that for me personally, that's like DEFCON. It's like DEFCON four. 
It's not the lowest. Where, where, where are you at for this one? I'm at three. Oh, you're a little higher than me. Okay, tell me why. Well, so this week was obviously an interesting one with Mitch. Um, oh, do tell. <laughs> it, it's such a fascinating situation because when you look at Mitchell Robinson, I think any, really any player that goes through six agents in three years if you're not at least raising an eyebrow, your head's in the sand. That's that's a concerning factor. Um, now, I mean, does it mean that the world's ending? Of course not. I, I saw people were celebrating that he's not with Clutch anymore because that means he's going to get a different pay salary. But I don't I don't think that's really going to affect it very much. I think yeah, the I'm fact not, is, yeah. it's just he's changing agencies and he doesn't necessarily know where to latch onto. And if you're leaving Clutch. After that short of a period of time, that could be a, a an orange flag, I guess you could say. Um, or you went clutch with clutch is, about what was it six? I'm, I'm, making, I'm pulling this out of my ass. Six months ago, eight something months like that. Something yeah. along those lines. Okay. So, um, you know, the what Tibbs said I thought was pretty interesting in terms of the the level of professionalism. Um, and with Noel, I was expecting him to say something differently than what he said, but he talked really about how he wants to be kind of like a big brother mentor role. And I'm kind of thinking at first, like, well, you know, Mitchell Robinson, of course, these guys are all young. They all of them, they're all. And I, I say that as someone who's not even that much older than them, but I can see why it's hard for them. They're being thrust into this situation. But it struck me as fascinating that you have Noel who, if you read Tanking to the Top, I mean, this is a guy who came into Philadelphia with a torn ACL. Yeah. He showed up to basically everywhere high. He couldn't play. He would be late to team practices. Yep. The plane couldn't leave because he was usually lagging behind. And he learned from it. And he also yeah, I was about up to say, his... he's clearly been humbled yes. by that. And yeah. a big reason why he was humbled was because of the fact that he turned down, I think it was like a four-year, $70 million contract. Yes, he did. Uh, that the Mavericks offered. And then he went to clutch. Um and then, of course, with Mitch, he just left Clutch. So, you know, I, when I see Mitch, this is kind of like how I feel about all prospects. Um, and when I say prospects, I mean especially players who haven't gotten to the NBA yet. I always struggle with it because we have an insufficient amount of data. We look at what's on the court because we can see that easily. Um, we can look at the box scores. We can check a lot of those things, but we don't interact with these players. We don't know what they're like. We don't know what their wants, their needs, their motivations are, what their characters are like. There's a lot that's out there that, that we just don't necessarily know. And with Mitch, you know, when you hear about professionalism, when you hear about potentially um, how he has to mature a little bit, that's something that it's from, as this cat decides to climb onto my lap, um, it's just something that we don't have access to. And when we hear other people like this report from Bondi or from Berman, right? A lot of people, the first instinct is just, well, we don't like that report. So, so we're going to ignore it. Right. And just, just so everybody knows what we're talking about. The Bondi report was that there was some um, murmurings from team, the team USA select or whatever it is, the, the young players team that uh, Mitch, uh, they had trouble getting him there. And then his attention level was maybe not the highest while he was there. And what was the Berman one again? I may be forgetting this. The Berman one was, was similar, um, but it was also that the Knicks were disappointed. That's right. That, that he Mitch... didn't come. Yeah. And, and for anybody who doesn't know that the, um, this was the earlier uh, September sessions, which were optional and which Mitchell Robinson at the same time was putting up pictures of him and a small child, which there's been much speculation as to whose child that is. And we need not get into that right now, but he was caring for a, a very young child time. Right. It appeared. So we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. And I think the thing about those reports, it's, it's tough, right? Because if you, if they had reported the thing about team USA at the time, people would have probably thought, Oh, well, that's just these guys trying to stir up some shit. And now if they post, it's like, well, why didn't you post it before? Because yeah. it's just not relevant. There's, there's never really a good time to post something like that, especially because it's not something that we as fans may want to hear. Um, so j just to kind of wrap it up, I think that the thing about Mitch is that if he's not starting, because uh, we know last year that he was more comfortable coming off the bench, it maybe is a sign that either he's not comfortable stepping into that role or that well, there's he not already an said, opportunity. Though. He already said, I do. I want to start, which is right. not something he has said before. Right. So I think that's 
notable. Sure. It absolutely is. But again, it's the sort of thing where maybe it's to also light a fire under him. Like if you really want this fight for it. So again, that's why I think three is more appropriate for me because you're not at a DEFCON one of, Oh my God, I can't believe Mitchell Robinson's not starting. Um, But you're also at a five, which is that, well, if he's still getting significant, significant minutes, and if he still has this opportunity to try to knock Noel out of that spot, then that's something to consider. Yeah, I, I, I think either we're both right. Um, here's what I'll, I'll say: two things, real quick on the on the court. Um, given how slowly Mitchell Robinson has started each of the last two years, this is now becoming a trend. Um, it would not surprise me if Tom Thibodeau looked at the two of them, him and Noel and deemed Noel the guy that gave them a better chance to win on opening night. And if that's what Tibbs thinks, then you know what? I'm, I mean, there, it's the type of thing you can make an argument about, but it is not a type of thing that on its face is like flat out wrong because then you get into the issue of like, Oh, so the coach is going to play the guy that hasn't earned it because he's a certain, he has a certain role within the organization. Like there are times when you could do that and there are times when you cannot do that. And I don't think where the Knicks are at right now, new coach, new regime, the whole thing, trying to instill some kind of ethos in the organization that mean a damn, because God knows they haven't done that in a while. Um, the, the notion of like starting the guy that deserves it is something that I personally am getting behind. So then it, it becomes to, well, why am I at DEFCON? Um, what was that four as opposed to the lowest level, which is five. And it's because a Mitch hasn't really taken that step forward that maybe we would have wanted him to take by now. Um, and B, the stuff you talked about. And, you know, it, God, it's tough because I, um, I will just, I'll, I, no, I'll say this. Mitch is not a bad, I, I'm, I can't call him a guy because he's not a guy, he's a kid. And that's what it comes down to. He is a child. And I don't mean that as an insult. I just mean that is it, anyone who's ever spent five minutes around the guy knows he is just, he is an immature sort not in the sense that he's immature and that he ha- he's lazy or he shows up late or like he'll pout or he's just like he's immature in the way like, you know, go find a teenage boy. Like, great. Congratulations. You've met Mitchell Robinson. Um, and so I think a lot of the stuff, the age and stuff, you know, who is making these decisions for him. And, you know, we, we don't need to get into that. I, I've, I've kind of hinted at that in the newsletter recently, and I'll be writing about it in today a little bit. Um, it's just, he needs to get that shit sorted out at some point. And, um, that is important. And if he does, if he still does not have that shit sorted out right now, that is, that is slightly worrying. Um, especially if it could influence his, the way he goes about his business. I tend to think though, that it, one is not influencing the other. I think he will, I think he is, I think highly enough of him to think that he will keep the focus where it needs to be on the court, not to say that he does not have areas of growth there. He does, but I think those are, are separate. Yeah. And just to be clear, I don't, for me, it's not necessarily even about the money because when you look at the free agent class and what's out there, the money's going to take care of itself no matter who his agent is. It's for me, it's more about the reality is that he has about 40 games to prove that he can be here on a long-term contract. Again, not, not the money. It's the fact of working with Kenny Payne, Tibbs being in the building, all of these guys seeing what they're able to see. And, you know, I, I don't want to turn this into a, should we consider trading Mitch or not? Cause again, when I, when I wrote about it, we're it not was, having that discussion, <laughs> right? It was a very different conversation, but yep. this is now like, okay, well you're, you know, it's not at some point that he has to start maturing. It's, it's now. And Tibbs seemed very clear about that in terms of what he was talking about. And I think that's okay. I think there's a level of good pressure and bad pressure. And I think that what Tibbs is saying can be good pressure. It's it's getting someone like Mitch to start thinking about his long-term future and what is at stake and how he can grow. And they've well, supported him and brought in a guy like Kenny Payne to help with that. It's more the concern of if something drastic happens, is that necessarily on Mitch? Is it on the people around him? Is it on everyone? Yeah, but we'll find this, out. But at this point, I'm not even sure. It's like you 
sometimes situations in life get to a point where you take the situation as it is and you st- and you don't necessarily pay as much attention to the, figuring out the reasons for it. You just have to, and they are on the verge of either making a very significant investment in a position, which we have talked ad nauseum on this program about may not be wise to make in the modern NBA, unless you have a special guy. And we got into all the same arguments on Twitter speaking of stepping away from the the ledge um, over the summer (laughs) about this stuff, when, you know, people would come at us and be like, he has the potential to be special and be this and that. Well, guess what? We're here. This is the year to show it. If he doesn't show it this year, then it's like, okay. And then all of a sudden you get into some really dangerous territory because if you don't want to extend him, then the clock really starts ticking as to, okay, well, am I looking to move him? What can I get for him? Would if 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 teams know that I'm mentioning his name, aren't they going to get like so? It gets into a whole host of things, and it would be just a lot simpler if you got his shit together and look like Hopefully the guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and look like the guy that we know he can be. Okay. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna make an executive decision. So um, Iggy Brasdakis, <laughs> it is December 21st, and uh, Woj reports uh, Iggy Brasdakis has gotten waived. As the Knicks' final cut, meaning Michael Kidd Gilchrist, uh, I'm, I'm by the way assuming in this scenario that Jacob Evans has already gotten with. Yes, um, meaning Michael Kidd Gilchrist gets the Knicks' last roster spot. In terms of DefCon level, I mean this would be DefCon one on Knicks Twitter. I think in my personal DefCon level, it would be between a four and a three. I'm between a four and three because I don't think we know how good Iggy Brasdakis is. And I, if we have re- if we really believe all the bullshit that we've been um, talking for nine months now about how wonderful Leon Rose is and this regime and the process they're going through and the fact that they're not making short-sighted decisions anymore and all of the gumdrops and candy canes and rainbows, if we really buy all that, then we should be able to trust their ability to look at a guy like Brasdakis who was the 47th pick in the draft last year and be like, all right, you know what? He's just, it's like, it's its not, we don't see enough there. Um, so I'm going to go DEFCON 4. I was, well, first I'll say, Bernard, cover your ears. Oh, yeah, Bernard um, doesn't want to tell us. He's probably just, just fast forwarding <laughs> this conversation. Um, I was going to say DEFCON 5, and I think you kind of reeled me back into a 4. Zach Lowe talked about this last week where there's this idea of fans who love these end of bench players. Chris Dunn, you talking about, yeah. Rave about or Shaq them. Harrison, and, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. And how they don't want to see them go. And it's like, did you see what this guy did? And the reality is in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. Like I think back to that whole summer where, and I was part of this too. We were arguing about whether Troy Williams was an NBA player or not. Oh, oh, I was all aboard that train. And it's like, yeah, exactly. Right. And this idea of, okay, well he, you know, he's a three and D um, depth piece. He could be at least like an eighth or ninth guy. And he's not, it's just not who he is. And we try to put as much hope in everyone on our roster because we just do, we tie in everything. Our hopes and dreams are, excuse me, tied to these 15 players who make the roster and we hope for the best for them. And for Iggy, you know, I think there's something for him to prove I guess it's the sort of thing where if he's not seen as a long-term piece, cutting him and bringing in Michael Kikokis would not be something I love, really. I, I'd say I probably wouldn't want it to happen, but the reality is that Michael Kikokis is also very relationship-oriented with Wes, William Wes, uh, Wesley, and, and he was a second overall pick. That doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to amount to anything much better than what Brasdakis could be. But that type of pedigree and the fact that it is a relationship business leads me to believe that this is no longer Steve Mills and Scott Perry's team. Brasdakis is there. You know, he was there for Perry and he was there because of RJ Barrett and they knew each other. A little bit of silver lining, right? What in terms of if you're someone who's not a big Scott Perry fan, if they do wave Brasdakis, there's your there's your silver lining. That's a good point. I hadn't considered that. Um, Um, I I do just want to sorry, finish up what you're saying. No, it's, it's more that I'd love to see what he has. But I'd also love to spend that time because there's only so much playing time that's available um, going towards maybe a guy like Kevin Knox instead. Someone who you can either have him as a player long term or you can up 
Knox's trade value to the point where you've got, you know, a, a great deal amount of cap space. You can trade for someone mid season if you wanted to, or in the off season, and you could use Kevin Knox in some way. And that time that you would have spent trying to get Brazdakis going, you have something different there. So I don't view him as a priority. If he's kept, that's great. I could see him maybe being traded to another team. Um, maybe the Knicks take on, like if they traded Jacob Evans and Brazdakis to another team for, um, one player instead that clears up a roster spot yeah, and but they're not a little getting... bit more money back and a second round pick something who knows, but I'm not going to lose sleep. If Brazdakis isn't here, yeah. I'd love to see him get an opportunity, but it's, it doesn't matter to me. Here's the only thing I will say. Um, and it doesn't always, you know, I'm the organizations that did these things that I'm about to say are maybe not, aren't the smartest, but um, Christian Wood once upon a time was a, think he was cut if or he was whatever unceremoniously dispatched of by some team joe harris unceremoniously unceremoniously dispatched of by some team um these guys made lots of money this summer i mean i'm just picking up sure re- recent then, examples but they are the exception they the are think about how many thousand, second round guys never a, get a thousand percent yeah no they are the exception but at the same time you know the the stink of the damian dotson situation is still i think fresh and like you know look nobody a lot of people don't like when i like act like zach Lowe is is what he says is gospel but i like i know how much hours of tape that guy watches and when he takes the time to point out the fact that like i don't get why damian dotson never got a shot in new york that dude could do some stuff which he tweeted out the moment he signed with the Cavs for a very fair contract like it it does make me at least wonder like are we have we have we crossed the, the minimum threshold of of internal talent evaluation here um i you know it was interesting what berman said last week would it uh oh dotson. about dotson yeah and no I, it's yeah it, i mean look these looks when you're a shitty organization these these types of questions will li- will linger until you are no longer a shitty organization um all right before we get to our mo- I think what's going to wind up being our, our most deaf Connie um, uh, deaf Connie number um, a quick word from um, our sponsor uh, f- at Faruqi law. Uh, so injuries uh, who, who on the Knicks is, has been injured recently, Jeremy recently. Has anybody on the Knicks been injured recently? I mean, it's been so long that I can't even remember. I mean, Peyton was hurt. And oh yeah, Alfred Payton. So, and that was Payton. really that was like destructive. Yeah. Um yeah, so they're part of sports. Um, but if a Nick gets hurt, much like Alfred Payton did, they recover and he did, and he came back, he played pretty well. But when one of us is injured because of someone else's negligence, it could be a life-changing event. And when that happens, you want a strong legal team fighting for you to make sure you receive full compensation for your injuries. You want to be able to call your legal team whenever you want. You don't want to be a file on a shelf with hundreds of others. And you don't want your lawyers to be afraid to go to court. The legal team at Faruqi and Faruqi gives every client their personal cell phone number to call 24-7, limits the number of clients they represent at one time, and has a long track record of taking on insurance companies, corporations, and the government in court and winning. And while prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome, you could learn more about Faruqi and Faruqi by going to nylegalteam.com. Again, nylegalteam.com go check out everything on Faruqi and Faruqi's website one last time nylegalteam.com um i hope you don't have to visit um any personal injury uh, websites anytime soon jeremy yeah um, me neither especially cuz yeah. i'm basically in my home constantly i don't know i mean you I... look so healthy well thank you but you know but you never know you never know it's true. um okay let's get to it um i think we could I think we could make this one first first preseason game. Uh, Frank does not get off the bench. Um, and I think it depends on, like, is he running a 10-man rotation? Does he get 11 guys into the game and Frank doesn't get off? Does he get 12 guys into the game and Frank doesn't get off the bench? I So I think the DEFCON level changes. For me personally, and maybe not completely for the reasons you think, but partially for the reasons you think, that would be a this would be a DEFCON... This would be a DEFCON 2 for me. Where are you at? Exactly. 
I'm at a two, two as well. You're a two? Okay. Yeah. Um, two things. If that happened, I I would immediately demand a release of all phone records involving trade talks, involving Frank Nilakina. And I would want to peruse those suckers. And I'd be like, why the fuck didn't you make a deal? Um, because now, I mean, look, it's, but again, it's one free season game. So it's like this, this, you know, how much do you take from it? But it says something. I think it would say something. And I, I'm not saying I expect this to happen. And if, if anything, based on what Tibbs said today, it probably won't happen. He, he sung uh, Frank's praises. Um, I just like, what, what are you doing with the kid? Um, what are you doing? Because he, he's a year away. You, you're, I don't think they're extending him. We, we've gotten no such indication that they have any desire to do so. We've, if anything, we've gotten reports that they won't. Um, he's doing $8 million qualifying offer which a qualifying offer can be rescinded, but raise your hand. If you see the Knicks jumping up and down to offer, to, to, to offer him that $8 million number next summer. Um, so I just, I, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, it would, it would, it would call for me into question a lot of the thought process behind the scenes. Um, not to mention the fact that, yes, I still believe Frank Nilekini can help a basketball team, and he deserves a shot to be able to do that. Um, so that's where I'm at. I agree wholeheartedly. You know, again, it's one preseason game. We'll see. But if he's running 10 players out there and Frank's not one of them, then that's definitely a head scratcher. You know, I mean, I don't expect him to necessarily play on ball, but to the Oh, I don't of, expect I don't either. Yeah. Right. Well, yes, for sure. But if you're running, if you're running Dennis Smith Jr. and Alfred Payton at the one, and you're not giving Frank any opportunity. I understand that maybe the organization prefers him as an off-ball threat, but you got to at least give him the opportunity to show you that that's the situation in a new system under Tom Thibodeau. So I'd be a little bit concerned why he's not able to get that type of burn, especially because if you're starting Payton, I would sincerely hope you're not also starting Julius Randle. And if you're starting Dennis Smith Jr., if it's an if if it's an, an effort yourself, to buddy. try to raise his trade value, okay. I mean, so what? Maybe you get a second round pick instead of just like trading him for matching salary at the deadline or yeah. letting him go at the end of the year. It doesn't you know it doesn't have an effect. I think that if Dennis Smith Jr. wows the team in practice and in preseason and shows that he's a clear cut and better player, he deserves the opportunity to start. Will it happen? I'm very, very skeptical that it does. So Pretty for politely. Frank, though, you want to, you want him to at least have that opportunity. And if he's being buried on the bench again, only just one game, one preseason game, meaningless, but it's the message. It's the fact of I've been here for four coaches in four years. I've seen countless regime changes. I'm still standing. Why am I not getting the opportunity on the first game in nine months to at least do what I can do? Here or somewhere else. Right. Yeah. Um, oh, man. I just, you know, if they don't make a trade, Robinson's going to play. Noel's going to play. Randall's going to play. Toppin's going to play. RJ's going to play. Um, I Austin Rivers is going to play. Alec Burks, I, I feel really pretty confident that that dude is going to play. Um, Alfred Payton is going to play that leaves two spots. And if you don't think they're going to th- work in Frank on ball um, and you think Dennis Smith Jr. is going to be the backup point guard on this team, which I think, or, or starter, you know, I think both of us are inclined to say that's a good possibility. Then it's like, all right. So you got Knox, you got Frank, you got quickly um, to say nothing of Brasdakis and like, you know, I just Reggie Bullock. We didn't even mention I still, I really do wonder if the Knicks will do something in terms of packaging Evans and another player for for someone in an effort to clear a roster spot and get some sort of compensation back. But we'll see, you know? Well, I mean, they've got to trim it somehow. I'd rather not see them just cut Jacob Evans, not because I believe in him. And no, I doubt that they believe it. in him too because they've got, you know, they have point guards and they just signed Jared Harper to a two-way. Um, and then we also haven't talked about Miles Powell. That's an yep. intriguing option for them to try to hang on to. Um, but they could put him in the, in the G league. Yes. Um, yeah. Where he I, could, however, where he could still sign anywhere, yes, which is why right. I was a little skeptical. Skeptical is not the right word. I was a little surprised 
to see Theo Pinson get a two-way, yeah, two-way yeah. versus someone like Miles Powell. But um, well, again, you never know. Isn't uh, is Powell CAA? I, I, I bet he is. Um, yeah, I just. Do you think he's going to be? If, if let's assume Tibbs plays a ten-man rotation, I forget about the first. Like just the first four, the, all the preseason games. You, do you think Frank's part of the rotation? I do. Yeah, you do. Okay. Yeah, you know, I, Tibbs is so hard to read because it feels like he will never wax poetic about players. Uh, maybe he'll talk about their their ethic, their um, work ethic, no. um, how they're progressing, but he'll never say like, "Oh, this is what I love about them." Maybe in, in Maybe in past stops, he has done that. But it feels like with this team, he's been a lot more subtle in terms of his praise. Um, today, I believe he said Frank's a very, very good player, something along those lines. Two varies. Right. I heard it myself. Two yeah, varies. That's, that's something important. I, I think that he's going to give him that opportunity because he sees the effort that's there. And he wants to, w- whether it's inflating it for the trade value or just because he feels that he'll benefit the team, who knows? But I would be surprised if Frank's not a part of the rotation. I guess it's more the role that he's in and the fact that his minutes per game have been dropping every single year that I'm just curious how he plays into things versus um, if he plays or how yeah. long he plays. No, that's, that's fair. Um, it's it's going to be interesting. Um, okay. Uh, next is one I, I think we'll both be pretty low on, but I, I did want to mention it because I have a feeling some people are going to lose their shit over this when it happens. Cause if it's Randall's here, it's going to happen, which is top and not starting. So if Randall's here, this is a, this is not even a DEFCON five for me. This is not, this is not DEFCON. Um, I, I quite frankly won't care because I feel like there's actually more risk in, and you may feel differently about this because I know you know you have the this notion of Peyton and, and Randall starting together, and I get that. But again, the, the the roster we see on game one may not be the roster we see on game five or game ten. Like th- I have a feeling moves are going to be made freely throughout the season. Anyway, um, I just i I think the 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 waves that could be caused by benching Julius Randall <laughs> for a rookie. I, I, you know, in a locker room that you is, you know, you're just kind of setting the, the groundwork and, and whatnot. I mean, who, who knows? Maybe that's like Tibbs is like opening salvo. Like this is my, you know, whatever now, bitch. Um, I, <laughs> I don't know, but it'd be, it'd be interesting. I, but I, I personally wouldn't care. Where, where would you be? I think I'd be around a three. Really? That I high? Think, maybe. You I'm, know, I'm, I'm surprised. Well, Yes, I, I go back and forth on this between him and Randall because we're talking about Randall, who is a 26-year-old player. I mean, the league knows yes. who he is, so I don't think you're going to be raising his value no. much more. But I do think that there's something to be said about lowering his value. Not by a lot, but enough where it might have a factor. And I do wonder if think about that. Okay. optically there is a way where if you have Julius Randall, it's like, well, he's a starter for a bad team. Versus, oh, well, he's coming off the bench for a bad team. And he's been supplanted by a 22-year-old rookie. I'm very curious if, if politics is going to play a part here. Um, if it does, then it's because, okay, we're, we want to get Julius Randle out of here. And I'm sure that they do. The writing is on the wall. Other than that, though, I, I don't know why. I mean, with Obi, I don't really want to see him at the three. We talked about this before. Just, it would not God. be an ideal situation at all. Um, but these things also tend to work themselves out in exactly. a lot of ways. Um, you know, I mean, I'm still expecting Alonzo Trier to be the starting point guard on the first game <laughs> of the year. So you never know. But with, with, he Tom, was the starting two. RJ Barrett was the starting point guard. Get there. it right. You're right. Get it but right. Yes. Damn you. Of course. Um, so, you know, I, I wouldn't be livid with the fact that Toppin's not starting, but I'd also be trying to figure out what the angle is here because the whole point of Toppin is you draft him because he's that type of guy who can pop right away. He's yeah, the I, oldest player in the draft, at least, you know, no, he's not, he's not the old, sure. yes, in oldest the lottery, lottery. you know, I mean, in terms of players who will have a role right away, yeah. he is that guy. Um, and so his you know, you first say, game though, like first I could understand was... why he's coming off the bench and that's why it's not like, you know, anything, I guess a two or even a one it's, it's more like it's game one. I can understand why, they have Randall ahead of him. It doesn't mean I'll like it. I'd still rather start topping. Um, but I, again, I think it's, there is something to be said of if a player is starting um, behind someone who's a, a veteran 
who's still what? I mean, he's 26. Yeah. He, he's practically a 20 and 10 player. At least he was last year. The lower usage rate, he'll be different. It's not, it's not a crime to start him behind that. I'd rather he still start ahead of Randall, but I get the logic behind what? why he would come off the bench. And, mm-hmm. and also just the, the athleticism, the, the sheer athleticism yeah. between him and Noel, if he's coming off the bench or even Mitchell Robinson, if he's off the bench and something like Burks and Rivers and I don't know, maybe Knox, something along those lines where the transition game could be a lot of fun. Maybe or maybe it's Peyton that's in there too in the mix, although he's not great in transition. So they've got a lot to figure out. Can I just I think throw... you, could, you could work out some really interesting combinations with Toppin because Mitch and Noel are so similar in terms of what they can do that Toppin's going to play well off of either one of them. Can I throw something that may seem batshit crazy off of you before we get to our, our last one? Um, what would you do if you started Randall and Toppin at the four and the five alongside RJ? Austin Rivers and Peyton. I would hate that. Would you really? I really would. Yeah, I really. I would, would actually give him a lot of credit. I think it would take balls. I think it would take massive balls for sure. Yes, to go out there and, and talk about. Oh yeah, well, what if you're starting Mitchell Robinson or Nerlens Noel? We kept Randall out there and we started Obi Toppin next to him, and we got gashed for like 130 points against the Pacers. Like I, that works. If I would be curious to see how that team operated on defense in particular. I don't think it would be very good. I think, you know, and then you're not going to play Mitch and Noel together. <laughs> it's so prob- you got to no, stagger but, them. But, it, but if, you're, if you're going into the season being like, all right, Nerlens Noel is a 15-minute-a-game guy at this point, and Mitchell Robinson is a 20- to 25-minute-a-game guy at this point. Um, I don't know. I don't know if just to just to start off with a different look. I just I don't know. I just I wanted to yeah, throw that. Yeah, but out I, there. I will say that. And again, I would not be in favor of this starting lineup. But people, we we tend to freak out over starters when it's really about the minutes played and who they're playing with. Um, it's something about pride, where the idea of someone coming off the bench versus someone you know taking the opening tip and. If you had that lineup, again, would still hate it. But if Mitchell Robinson is still playing 25 minutes in that game and he would play 25 minutes whether he were starting or not, or you have him in crunch time because you're worried about him racking up fouls and now he's he's a little bit more rested and he's a little less in foul trouble than he would be if he had started, I think you could kind of massage it that way. But it's, it's an odd statement to begin the year because – we love to overreact. We love to no, find little things that just drives crazy. I, I can just see people on Twitter right now, and it would. Be I mean, Nick's. You know what Nick's Twitter wants, right? Nick's Twitter wants Frank, RJ, Mitch, Obi, and I'm. I'm. I mean, I guess Knox, but probably throw a few different. Or <laughs> how about this? How about how about Frank quickly, RJ. Um, Ob Mitch. That's probably what Nick's Nick's probably really and that's just it's too young of a rotation. Uh, you know, it, that's that's not necessarily going to help will, anyone. I will write every listener a check for a, a, a trillion dollars um, if that happens. Well, hey, look, the, the Cavs are supposed to be a worse team than Knicks, right? Yes, and they've got Kevin Love and Andre Drummond playing, and Colin Sexton is yeah. probably better suited as a six man, and he's in his third year. So, that's harsh. It That's is yes, very harsh. but like, but they're supposed to be a worse team, and they still have two veterans on the in the starting lineup. So yeah. making it where it's a couple, you know, veterans with three players who are in on their first, you know, rookie contract or the first contract. That's okay. That's fine. Let's finish up with one one final DefCon, and then the quick um, what if that you tossed at me. Um, I just wanted to do this for fun. Um, <laughs> nobody has speculated about this, although I it would not. I wouldn't rule anything out. I, I mean, Tip said today, he hasn't decided on a single starter. He hasn't decided on a single rotation spot. What if RJ was not in the starting lineup, um, I guess, opening night of the regular season? I think for me personally, it would be like DEFCON between two and three. Um, really? Yeah, it would not be DEFCON one because... Ugh, God, how the fuck do I even talk about this guy without getting in trouble? He wasn't great last year. He wasn't great last year. And I think there's a world, a slim, a small world, but it's a world where he could have improved 
considerably over the summer and still not be one of the best two wings on this team. Um, and that would be very disconcerting and it would be disconcerting for, for a lot of reasons, but it's, let's call it DEFCON two. Okay. All right. I'm going to go DEFCON. I can't go DEFCON one for that. I'll go DEFCON two for that. Um, because like, if you told me that like, Hey, Tibbs wanted, if, 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 if Tibbs wants RJ to like run his second unit offense and he's going to play RJ 25 minutes a night as a six man, and he's going to try to get Burks and fucking quickly in there for shooting alongside, you know, Peyton and, and whoever, and, and Mitch, like, I don't know. I just, it, I know that's maybe sounds insane, but to me, it's not insane, insane. It's only like regular insane. It's a one for me. And I know that's it would be one. Okay. ironic because I just lamented about the fact that it's a starting lineup and you know, all this. No, for RJ, he is supposed to be your guy. At least that's the hope, right? Moving forward. And yeah. there's still obviously a debate between him and Mitch and ceilings and floors and everything. But with RJ, it's, I don't know how, let me put it this way. RJ is the type of person where how hard he works deserves to have some sort of reward. And that reward, the ability to start isn't overwhelming. That should be like, hey, you are a young player who showed clear-cut signs of a step forward, and then the season shut down because of COVID. And then you spent the, the next nine months really honing in on your game, improving your, your weaknesses and your areas of development, and getting stronger and bigger. And hopefully that all translates. But, you know, the idea of starting him in the second unit where I think he played, he started every game except for maybe one last year. And I think it's because of injury where he came off the bench. Um, like to me, he is, he is yeah, a his, starter. His and back from injury, he came off the bench. Right. And the message that you would be sending in that case, it's different from Mitch, right? Because th- there's still that, that weird former draft pick pedigree. Yeah, but that's the thing is Mitch has been a better is with a much better player sure, last year. Of course he has. But then you talk about, or at least what Tibbs is talking about with professionalism and maturity and no, all you're right. that. And you're right. You're right. It, it feels like an inverse ability to reward players because on one hand you're saying Mitch Robinson's got to be a better person. You know, he's he's got to stand up and, and yeah. really show that he can be <laughs> an NBA player and and, you know, come to practice early and, and all these things. And then you've got RJ, who's already doing all of that. Imagine if they started Dennis Smith Jr. <laughs> they sat RJ back there. I'm just, here's the thing. 25 or whatever it's been now, 27, 28 years of Knicks fandom has prepared me for any blessed thing under the sun. Yeah. I just, uh, yeah. It would, be, it would be one for me. I think for any other player, it'd be different. Maybe Mitch, you can make an argument, but if it were just black and white with Mitch, it'd be a different story. Um, yeah. It's a little bit more of a gray area, so... I'm less high strung on it with RJ. He, he's, he's gotta be in the lineup. He's gotta be a starter. That's the only okay. player All right. that I'm I just... feel that strongly about Mitch again, close second, but still I'm, second. I'm, I'm glad Def we had Con this. Dis- I'm glad we had this discussion. Um, by the way, you, you may not know this offhand. I certainly don't. When is, when is the deadline to pick up Kevin Knox's fourth year option? Um, it's gotta be before December 21st. Right? For sure. Yeah. Okay. I'm just throwing um, that out there. It has to be before the season starts. Okay. I think, yeah, last time it was like 5 or 6 p.m. a couple days before the season okay. started. So that's good. Good to know. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, last thing before we get out of here. You think it was Joe Flynn who threw this out there? Um, Might have been. If it wasn't, I mean, he, he was part of it. So if someone else started it. If we're, if we're not giving, I didn't look at this. You saw this. I, I um, happen to see on my timeline. So the, the, the query was um, if we is it that if we could have if we guaranteed ourselves Masai Ujiri in a year? Yeah, the idea of if Masai were to come to the Knicks, would you have been willing to stick to it out stomach another year and with a half Mills of, Perry okay. for another year? <sighs> Do you want me to start? Well, you think Yeah, the fact that I even have to think about this is actually I feel like it's undermining my credibility as a basketball, um, whatever I am. Cause the obvious answer is you should stick out five years of Steve Mills. If you get the chance, if you could get Masai Ujiri, because he's it's proof of concept. He's the best of the business. So you would and have I, done it. No, but the fact that I'm sitting here wallowing and the reason I'm sitting here wallowing is because 
And again, we have not brought this guy's name up a lot in the last nine months. And I love that James Dolan exists and he's a person that theoretically Leon Rose has a handle on how to casual. Uh, this is the first word that came to my mind. I'm sorry if that was an inappropriate one. Um, and so that's like one whole thing in its own category. And then there's the fact that Leon Rose went and hired like an incredibly competent and diligent front office and coaching staff and seems to know what the fuck he's doing. Um, and he's done a really good job. So when you put those two things together, it actually makes me want to go against my, I just don't know that I would have had a, a, another year. I think I might've, I might've been driven to drink much harder than I do. If I had to deal with another year and a half of Steve Mills. Um, so I would say, I can't believe I'm going to say this. No, I would not. I would not have. You wouldn't have stuck it out. I mean, I, I, I'll be a Nick fan until I'm right. But I meant know, in the sense old like, and gray. But if you had the option of other versus no, Mills no, to the Maasai, you know, Maasai, I guess. In this case. I'm I'm happy with where the fuck we're at. I be, I I'm the whether it's Kool Aid or otherwise. I I legitimately cannot. I shouldn't say can't look at a single thing. Like the Dotson thing is always going to annoy me, but that's a me thing. Um, I can't look at a single thing they've done in nine months and been like, what are you doing? It's all made sense. Yeah. So yeah. Leon Rose, you're my guy, man. Yeah. Where where are you at? I would have hated it. Absolutely hated it. You would have hated it. Wow. Okay. Because the idea is, I mean, let's think about this, right? At the trade though. Of course it's Masai, but but there are other executives that are out there. And I'll get to Leon in a second. I get it. He's great. And hey, this is coming from someone who even thought of, I would trade, you know, two first round picks from Masai. Give away all the the picks. Sure, sure. But but here's the thing in terms of Steve Mills. This was a man who was just the purest definition of desperation you could ever imagine. Oh, goodness. What does this team look like with all of its cap space this year, Right. The idea of at the deadline, he wanted to keep Marcus Morris in the hopes of re-signing him or the fact that he was trying to get D'Angelo Russell or the fact that he was doing anything else or could be capable of doing anything else, right? Because there's this also idea of, well, maybe Dolan just says, keep it to a year. It's like, okay, well, well hold on. Let me get this straight. So it's, it's a problem before when Dolan interjects, but now it's acceptable it's kind of like pick a lane. If you want him to stay away from basketball, have him stay away, but don't have him come in when it's convenient. And also don't be upset if it backfires because you're asking for his voice. Now with Steve Mills, the idea of having to open up all this cap space and not even try to do anything with like Batum, it just didn't work out. Right. We know that eventually it just, it crumbled. The Knicks are probably not even considering that option. And we know that because the rumor is that they weren't even considering taking on Andre Iguodala for yeah. the Warriors first round pick. So it would have just been, how are we going to get better? And how can I save my job versus, okay, well, what works long-term? What is the plan right now? with Leon Rose, he can do anything. And the reason he can do anything is because it's his first year on the job. He just yeah. has to show an upward trend with Steve Mills. It would be a disaster. And I'm you're just, looking at like Gallinari coming back, right? Something like that, because it's a bigger offer. Or I think Gordon it Hayward signed. I think it would have been Hayward. I, I think it would have been the Hayward. I think it would have been a Hayward Max. Right. Uh, I'm just picturing the the news conference that would have happened at the end of last season. Like, we feel great about where things are headed. We yeah. went 17 and 27 under Mike Miller. This is things are we're on the right track. Uh, man. And that's infuriating. Yeah. And I'm glad we're not in that time zone and yeah, that I just, time frame. I, I just. Look, I, 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 did, I don't have it. With Leon, I, I get that it's concerning. I don't totally understand why people may feel that way just based on the fact that it seems like there is a coherent plan and that they've played like what? Seven games since he officially started on March 2nd? If that, no, probably like three or four. So it just needs time. I'm eager to see what's ahead, but sacrificing this year in an ass backwards way where it would have been a guy like, Hayward, but then other players too, other veterans where they would have tried to make this, this, um, you know, cockamamie fake good team that would have just bottomed yeah. out with, you know, 
a lower pick and wouldn't be fun to watch. And you'd say, well, they could trade these players eventually, but it's not fun with a ceiling. That's no, you're low. Right. You're it right. just, it would have been a headache. And we got out of that and getting out of, by getting out of that, I mean, you know, trading Tim Hardaway Jr., which mind you was an expensive contract with a trade kicker that was overpriced. And Gordon Hayward just got 30 million a year and a 15% trade kicker. So yep. I'm just glad I'm, I'm happy that things are the way they are. No, Hopefully I'm, they're even I'm brighter, but I don't think it's too much to ask about wanting yeah. something better than the Steve Mills agenda. You know what? It, with 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 our luck, Mills would have been kept around, and we would have had a it would have gotten fucked up because it always gets fucked up, and uh, we would have had a great pick in the twenty twenty one draft, and agents would have been climbing all over themselves to keep their clients away from this team. And now I could legitimately sit here and say I think there's a real possibility of a world seven months from now or eight months from now, whatever the hell the draft is going to be where agents are like, man, we like, we could go to Cleveland or Detroit or Minnesota. Well, actually, no, not Minnesota. Cause Golden <laughs> State year, owns yeah. their pick. Probably not. <laughs> um, I, well, no, it's top three. For t- top, yeah. They top could, three, say, yeah, it could be Minnesota, whatever. Or we could go to the Knicks who finally have their shit together. Not good yet but they finally their shit together. That's a real possibility now. And that's, that's exciting to me. It's exciting to you and fuck it, baby. Let's play a game. Let's play a game. Yes. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, okay. Um, anything else before we get out of here from you? Um, yeah, just uh, real quick. Well, for starters, I know a lot of you have been showing your Spotify wrapped. And, <gasps> oh my uh, God. I wanted to open the show with this. Continue. Yeah. It, it's been, um, now, I'll speak on behalf of John because I'm sure he, you are feeling the, the same way, but um, just feeling very grateful, guys. Thank you. It, it's, it means a lot. We, we really love the fact that you are tuning in and listening to the work we're able to do. Um, you know, it, 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 it's great. I, this year has been hard for so many people, obviously. Um, I, I know that with the holidays being here and Thanksgiving just happening, I'm sure this can be a very difficult time. Um, personally, just... If I'm, if I'm being honest, um, my, my grandfather was just diagnosed with COVID and I'm certainly concerned. He's set to turn 96 this month. Um, and I really hope he's able to make it to that. Um, so, I, I, you know, this year, I haven't had the opportunity to say this and I'm, I'm really happy games are about to start. We can have some fresh content in there. But um, truly, just with social media and this, you guys have meant a lot to us, especially to me. It's it saved me in a lot of ways and given me something to think about. So um, thank you. I really appreciate it. Um, I will say again, what I said to you before, which is that, uh, well, now not only, not only will my prayers and thoughts be with you, but I'm sure all of Nick's nation. Um, And to, to the point that you just made, um, I saw, I saw some podcasts this week because I, the Spotify stuff kept coming out and I'm like, I know I probably shouldn't say that because you know, like act as if, right. I'm not very good at acting as if it's still is, is, is quite frankly, astonishing to me that anyone, including like my friends would listen to this podcast. I, I'm sorry if I, I, I don't know if that is going to come off the wrong way, but I just, the fact that people listen to us means I don't have the words to describe what it means. And um, I don't take any of it for granted, not for one second. And neither do you, Jeremy. I know that. Um, so thank you. Um, but the, the thing I was going to say, the very quick story, and then we'll, we'll end, um, some podcast tweeted about how they had passed 5 million downloads and I'm like, wonder where we're at. So I went and I looked at our, uh, Libsyn, which was the original uh, hosting platform. I don't even know if you know that. Um, and looked at the numbers on there. And then I went and looked on megaphone where we are now and we are, um, just under 600,000 downloads since this show started um and, and the five been, million just just quickly was uh the q rich podcast. there you go exactly now he now, quentin richardson played in the nba i did not play in the nba did you play in the nba there's still time yeah there was there was always time um i'm almost in my prime <laughs> basketball years i'm not that far from 27 so you don't 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 uh stop now you're making a case for julius Randle. <laughs> um so you know that that number is um you know, just quite frankly, absurd. And uh, again, it's, it's this, I wanted to start this podcast um, 
you know, two, two years and change ago, because I'm like, I just, I want to, I want to talk about the team in in a way that I want to talk about it and um, not feel compromised. And um, I think there are other people who want to hear about the team in that way. And I found you a partner uh, in crime here who likes to talk and think about this team in the way that I do. And uh, it has been just a wonderful journey. And uh, okay, I'll stop. I'll stop waxing poetic, but thank you everybody for listening, please. And if you, and if you are one of those people who loves us um, and you have never, you know, uh, rated or reviewed us, feel free to do that because we're, you know, that, yeah, that would be great. Um, All right, Jeremy, anything else from you? That'll be all. That'll be all. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) What is that? It's a, it's a, it looks like a fine red. It's a Portuguese red. It's really nice. A Portuguese. Of course it's a Portuguese red. I had to kill the bottle, you know, so we'll open a new one tonight. I mean, I've been nursing my, my Guinness throughout this episode. I think, um, do I want to have a a slight nightcap? I think I might have a nightcap tonight. Go for it. I didn't have beer this time because I thought it just feels a little too heavy at the moment. No, listen, listen, if you're not, if you're not feeling beer, I'm very happy with this choice. I mean, it looks it looks delicious. It's a fine red. Um, go check out uh, Jeremy's Red Wine on the YouTube channel. Um, subscribe to that as well. Um, there's a lot of fun content on there. And uh, yeah, we will be back with you with another episode of the Next Film School podcast um, very soon.